Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we have done it. Our second major champion of the year has been determined, and it took a playoff to do so. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, a wild day around Southern Hills. Oh, all I can say is, wow. I mean, this was uh, it was incredible. I mean, you, you thought at the start of this day that this was maybe not your most exciting leaderboard. Uh, you know, if you're not familiar, you don't follow the game as closely as we do here. Um, it, it wasn't the most exciting leaderboard. And all of a sudden we get the most exciting finish. It, I can rem- I mean, this was phenomenal. Uh, it was, it, you never knew what was going to happen. Uh, you thought JT was out of it. You thought he had a putt that could have won him the tournament. It, it, there were so many ebbs and flows of this week. It was just awesome to watch. Also joining us, Mark. Immelman is here, Mark. I have never seen you so excited to participate in a round four podcast episode. I mean, Lord knows why. I don't know. I was just looking forward to getting to see you guys. It's Sunday. There's another tournament under our belt. I'm going on vacation to tomorrow for a few days before the memorial. So I just was wanting to hang with you guys. It's good to be with you. All right. Well, we will. uh, I guess we'll have to talk more about that at some point. Gentlemen, 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 Justin Thomas has done it. He has earned his second major championship, his second PGA championship, and it kind of came out of nowhere. A third 67 of the week is what he shot on Sunday. And I don't even know how to start to uh, attack this here, Greg. I mean, Justin Thomas was not necessarily on the short list of names that you thought had a realistic chance of winning the PGA Championship and entering the final round. But a lot of the guys at the top uh, with little to no winning experience started to falter. And Justin Thomas proved why he is already uh, a major champion in his career. This was in- incredible for him on so many different levels. Um, one, he was able to, you know, you, you get into a situation where you're seven shots back and you don't feel like you have a chance. And, and in some ways, it gives you that chaser's freedom we always talk about, right? He, he said after he wasn't looking at leaderboards, he went out and played the best round of golf he possibly could, which I, I admire. It's a, a lot easier said than done. Uh, but he but he did that and he got himself a little closer and a little closer. And you just you put yourself in that position to wait and see what happens. This is what Jack Nicholas did for years. Um, and, and so that was a really impressive performance for him. But ultimately, the fact that he was in the bad wave was, I think, a really important piece of this. Um, he was. I, I don't know if if he did any strokes gain calculation per wave, but he would have been the leader after after two rounds, and he wasn't the leader on the board. 
Um, but it, playing in the more difficult wave, he wasn't feeling great about his swing. I actually think in a, in a strange way, the conditions may have helped him um, with that golf swing. He was able to just play shots. Uh, but the biggest, the biggest thing that stands out to me is this change that he's made on the greens. Uh, and I, and I think ultimately among other things, but, but that's the, that's a, a really big challenge for him week in and week out. A reason why he doesn't win more than he does. And, uh, and, and over the last two tournaments, he's gained strokes in every round. I mean, eight events and eight rounds in a row, Justin Thomas has gained strokes on the greens with the putter. And um, th- that's a really big deal. It was a great putter change for him. Second in the field in strokes gained putting this week at the PGA championship certainly goes a long way when you're as good of a ball striker as Justin Thomas is. And Mark, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, uh, the playoff, Jacob playoffs. Thank you. <laughs> talk about that. Just <laughs> yeah, remember that one. It feels like it's been a while since we've had a playoff. Um, we'll talk about that in a second, but just to get in to this playoff, uh, he really had to rally on his second nine and he shot a three under 32 bogey free coming in. He makes a bomb at 11. He rolls another in at 12. He hits it into the greenside uh, bunker on 17 gets up and down from there to make a birdie. And then treacherous 18 comes along and he is in that moment. Mark, he is standing on the tee box, not really knowing what he needs uh, you know, obviously par is a great score there and he pulls out driver and just absolutely hits this seed could not have been in a better spot. He then hits an unbelievable approach, has a crack at a birdie, putt, taps it in for par and posts five under. Yeah. Before, before I talk about 18, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't address the bunker save that he made on 14, which is a minute green that's surrounded by bunkers. And where the hole was cut, it was right over a slope. And from where he missed it to the left-hand side, which was the favorable miss given the hole location, he had a very difficult shot and he hold about a six a curling six-footer for par. That kept him relevant. And then on 16, which is just a brute of a par four, he fans the approach shot well out to the right-hand side. And that bunker shot wasn't easy too. I was on um, Cameron Young. And Will Zalatoris's group and Cameron made double from there. He got on the green from some 25 feet and then three putted from there. But it was difficult down the hill. So those two saves kept him relevant and that put him in the place to be able to take advantage of 17. And then those two shots down 18, uh, that's sort of the stuff that you practice for. And that's where Justin Thomas, uh, there's a handful of players that can separate themselves that way to be able to just fizz a drive down there head high. Um, make the right decision, obviously, off the tee with a shot selection, and then just flag this eight iron, which was a really hell of it's a heck of a strike because, um, I mean, we saw guys earlier in the day going with like fives and six irons and stuff in there. So it, it was just high, high octane stuff uh, from JT, and he proved his blue chip nature that he has, that he hits the center of the club face, that he controls distance great. Um, and I mean, isn't it crazy that the, uh, that, he could have won the thing out right there, almost yeah, at and that and, and, and that stage. You know, he was—he probably thought, he, "I have to make this to get into a playoff." So it just shows how crazy uh, golf is, but it shows how good he really is. And to just echo what Greg was saying about him—that he's—he's just a quality player. We all know this, but he proved who he was today uh, with the physical gifts, and then also just kind of going about the event like he did because. 
remember, he was close to the lead, or if not leading, I think it was. No, he was close to the lead after two rounds and then sort of fell away. And I, I think we spoke, you and me, Rick, Saturday evening, and I had him for that 74. And I remember saying, he actually played pretty well for 74. It was just a very difficult day. And today, the guy is miles out of it after a shank off number 60 mm-hmm. and then just does Justin Thomas stuff. And now he's a two-time major champion. So it shows how crazy golf is and it shows how good he is. Yeah, the shot off of 60, 108 yards to unknown. Might have to change my podcast name after that one. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Justin Thomas. But Greg, what I, what I think is really hard to capture in this moment as we're reviewing this is how this was all going down in real time. Watching the top of the leaderboard kind of wither away i'm thinking man if jt can post if he can make one more birdie coming in if he can just post something if he can somehow make par on 18 he's likely to get into a playoff maybe he wins the thing it took it ends up taking a will zalatoris birdie putt that he rolls in to even force that playoff but just in the moment i just kept thinking oh my god J- jt has a chance he has a chance he has a real chance I did think he would need birdie at 18 to really, I mean, you think about where Mito Pereira was at the time. He hadn't reached 17 yet. And I thought 17 would be a, I I thought he'd make birdie at 17 Um, and he didn't hit a great chip shot. And then 18, you think, all right, well, we we make bogey that you're, he's probably not going to make a double. Um, and you, you can't foresee exactly what happens there, but with, with 17 being drivable, I was a little worried that five under wouldn't post. I was worried for Will Zalatoris as well. Um, I know he had a chance on 18 to make birdie to get to six, but it's just such a difficult birdie. I didn't like his chances there. And I, I kind of thought uh, Mito didn't have to do anything special to win this thing, right? You, dr- you drive it up there near the green on 17, you get up and down. I, I mean, he, and even though he didn't get up and down, he still only needed a par to win on 18. I know it's an extremely difficult hole. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm just saying you, you're not expecting the par double finish for him. You're not expecting five under to get in. I, I I thought he would really be able to finish those last two holes and even par. But this is why we laud major championships so highly because it's so difficult to achieve. It's so difficult to do. But again, the, the guy said he wasn't looking at a leaderboard all day. And, but you got a sense that he knew you just got a sense that he could tell that he, he was right there in the mix and the game face was on and the, um, the, the reaction on his second shot when it was at the flag, if he was four back, I don't think, I don't think you'd get that reaction. Maybe it's because we knew watching, but he was, he was fired up and and it felt like he knew he was in the moment. So I really admire that kind of um, competitive intuition to know this feels like maybe it's the crowd. I, I don't know what it is that gives that away, but, but he knew whether it was subconsciously or not that he knew that he had a real chance. Uh, and, and that was really cool to see. Yeah. He gave us the be right. Be right. He loved it. Yeah, he loved everything he loved it. about it off the club face. So Will Zalatoris does indeed get up and down on 18, rolls in an eight, eight and a half footer for par to uh, essentially lock up this playoff at least with two people. And then we'll talk about Muta Prayer in just a second. And then the playoff, three hole aggregate, 13, 17, and 18, which first off, Mark, let's just start with that. Two gettable holes and then the hardest hole on the golf course. Like j- just, just an excellent selection of holes at Southern Hills. 
Yeah, well, look, Southern Hills, I think, made the perfect canvas for great golfers to show off who they were. And it was punitive enough where it's going to trip you up if you had poor shots. And it was there enough that if you had good shots, you'd get rewarded. Um, was it? I was sort of somewhat sad that the wind blew as hard as what it did. So you couldn't really, because uh, then they didn't cut the greens through rounds after rounds one. Oh, pardon me, I think it was two into round three because of the heavy winds they were expecting. Because if this place, if they if they cut those greens a bit, it would be just incredibly difficult to play. So I think it was Southern Hills that almost was a star in that respect. But just the flow of the golf course and the fact that 13 was close enough to the clubhouse, you could get the players there quickly. And then from 13 green, the intimacy of this golf course, and just on the right side of it is 16 green, just on the left behind it's 14 tee, and then 17 tee is right there. So the fact the golf course was old school enough that everything was in close uh, quarters over there, you could do that. And I thought the holes that the PGA chose for this playoff were lots of fun. I mean, we saw birdies, and uh, it was it was going to always be a great separator because the problem with those aggregate things, kind of like 18-hole playoffs in the U.S. Open used to be, you run the risk of guys being tired, tired after three holes, and then you have to go again, and then it just turns into six, nine, 12, whatever. So I thought the selection of the holes was great, and, and, and you were likely to get a result given that you're going to have so much volatility. Yeah, so both Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris birdie number 13. And then, Mark, if if hole 18 in regulation wasn't the highlight that they'll show for Justin Thomas's win, it, it, it's definitely going to be the shot he hit on 17 in the playoff where he drives the green, gets it to stop 35 feet away for Eagle. The crowd's going nuts. Th- this That was the separating shot between him and Will that ends up being the difference here. Yeah, it certainly was. And... Uh, I remember watching the monitor, seeing that shot, and when he hit it, I couldn't help but think of uh, the driver that Colin Marikawa hit on 16 at Harding Park a few seasons ago. There was sort of the separated that went on, pushed him onto victory in the PGA back then. So, you know, there was a bit of a synergy, and it was nice that it came late in the round, and it just was a, a high-quality strike under a lot of pressure. I mean, no one ever talks about the fact that these guys, they get nervous too. And you're jacked up, and you've got to you've got to judge nerves, you've got to judge adrenaline, you've got to pick all these things, and then still go ahead and execute. And that shot that he hit was was one you dream about, and I'm sure it'll be on his on his personal highlight reel when he uh, hangs up the golf clubs one day. Of that, I'm certain. Uh, after making birdie on both 13 and 17, Greg, uh, as you mentioned, 18 is no small feat. Par always a good score there. JT hits another great drive. He hits the green in two, and then it's two putts from there to add a second major championship to the resume. We talk all the time about the one win or the one major championship win, and then adding a second one almost feels for a lot of guys like validation, uh, which I don't necessarily think that Justin Thomas needs in his career, but we've heard that described often by these players. Yeah. In, in a, in a way, a guy with 15 wins of players and a major almost had a monkey on his back because he hadn't lived up to that level of performance in majors since his victory. And I do think there's some truth to that. And he's admitted to that. So in a way, the the pressure was really high on him internally because he knows what what he's done in majors and 
Um, but all of a sudden you get in this, in this competition and it co- starts coming down the stretch and it, it's no longer uh, a major for uh, Justin Thomas. This is now a competitor, right? This is, I'm trying to beat these guys. I'm, I'm trying to win this tournament. And that's kind of the, the sense I got from him. It wasn't such a high, um, you know, he didn't make the moment bigger than it was for him. He probably made it a lot smaller than it was, which was really cool to see. And, and again, Justin Thomas is a player who I've long thought had two weaknesses. Now, one is he can get Aaron off the tee at times. He can hit some big, he can miss wide from time to time off the tee. And the other is his putter. And this week, down the stretch especially, he solved both of those issues. The tee shot on 18 in regulation and the playoff just the same were, I mean, it's asking for Justin Thomas to make a mistake there. That I bet is a very hard tee shot for him. Uh, he has he can have a tendency to lose it way right. I mean, he, he's almost famous for the point uh, after a tee shot for a big four, and and he didn't do it. He hit his best. He hit two of his best tee shots of the week right there, which was awesome. And it's him stepping up and overcoming a moment. Um, and and he did the same thing on the greens really for the entirety of the week. I, I think that's less of a one moment where Justin Thomas overcame a putting issue, right? That's more the, the entirety of the week. He, he solved the problem. He wasn't missing to the right. Like he's been doing for years. Uh, and, and that was really cool to see. But again, you step up there on a tee shot that I, that I would think is difficult for him and you stripe it back to back shots, give yourself a nine iron in for the best short iron player in the game. Uh, it was spectacular. And the second shot in the playoff was so perfect. That was a, I know it's a nine iron, but it's right where he's looking. It's the perfect distance. Uh, and it was such a cool, it was such a cool shot to whatever it was, 25 feet or whatever. It was a laser to 25 feet, which I love. Just to that accuracy of the tee, Greg, I've actually asked Justin Thomas about this. And he came on a podcast and talked a little bit about how he plays the game and how he shoots low and that sort of thing. And, and he's got a shot that he calls his fairway finder, which he tees the driver down so it's barely above uh, the face height. And he squeezes this cut in the fairway, and it goes a long way because the ball sort of tumbles. And when he hits these, he hits the ball in the fairway regularly. It's when he tees the thing up and he tilts some and he tries to launch one that I think he gets a little underneath and what is a very neutral swing path. Sorry to sound a bit golf swing nerd, but his very neutral swing path gets a little inside out and he can't square the face enough because – He's quite old school in that the face is quite neutral at the top of the swing in comparison to a Dustin or Brooks, you know, the, uh, Victor Hovland. These guys are more close at the top. So when he tries to really, really crank one is when he gets into trouble. But this week with the conditions and the wind blowing so hard, he was going to that fairway finder more often than not. I mean, those tee shots down 18, if you watch the apex on our top tracer, they weren't north of 100 feet in the air. I mean, sometimes the things right. were like 60, 70, 80 feet in the air. And so when he does that, I feel like that's at his very best. And maybe because he's a very savvy sort of a campaigner. Everyone talks about his shot-making skill, which is, you know, top drawer, top shelf. He's very um, calculated in what he does with, with shot selection and how he approaches his game. And there's never any drastic adjustments he makes to anything he does. So uh, I'm thinking he will probably think through this more and go, dang, looking back on this, when I drove the ball like a banshee here in Southern Hills, maybe I should go to that fairway finder just a little more often 
um, and maybe play out of the fairway a little bit more because when he's out of the fairway with an iron club in his hand, you know, there's very few folks who can compete. You know, uh, a couple similarities here, Mark. I think you bring up some great points. But some there are some players where windy conditions help them swing better in a way. Uh, I thought Tiger back in 2018, 2019, when it would get a little windy, he was forced to play low shots. He'd stay a little more on top of the ball, and, and he was comfortable hitting it low. His accuracy went way up, and he was able to hit that low a, you know, whatever you call it, a trap fade or a, a low flighted fade, both off the tee and into greens. And Justin Thomas is on the range before the event, at least in round one and round two, struggling with his swing, quite frustrated with, with his golf swing. But he gets out on the golf course, and now all of a sudden he's able to play. And he's able to choose these shots, as you mentioned, Mark. He's savvy in that shot selection. But it's like he let go of, those swing thoughts, those swing fundamentals and starts playing. And that's why earlier when I said, I think the, in, in a strange way, the conditions being on the bad side of the draw, having these windy conditions helped him because it, it allowed him to go to something that was reliable uh, and that was controlled. And that's why it was such a, a masterful performance on those first two days. And then again, here in, in contention down the stretch. Justin Thomas wins the 2022 PGA Championship. He's going to move to fourth in the FedEx Cup standings. He's going to move to the fifth-ranked player in the world, and he wins for the first time in 15 months, uh, despite many top tens in between. I want to talk about the rest of this field and the rest of the guys that had their say in this championship. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris uh, ends up losing in a playoff to Justin Thomas. But as a backer of Will Zalatoris, Mark, it was it was a roller coaster day. You know, he he out of the gate birdies four and five gives them immediately back on six and seven. He bogeys twelve. He has that. Um, what hole was it? Six that he that he had like the ball in the bush and yeah. maybe the it, it's it's bonkers. He ends up hitting off the cart path, but he does what he has to do by birdieing seventeen and then making that putt on eighteen to get into a playoff. Which I must admit, for a lot of the day, I did not necessarily think Zal Torres was going to have a say in this championship. It's funny you say that because I was on his group and I always had a bit of a sense that even though he looked not like major championship dominance, he looked like he had enough to sort of hang around a little bit. And you're right, there were places where he excelled and there were places that he sort of felt like things were coming apart at the seams some. But he kept himself in the thing. And that's what all great major champions do. And they sort of stay relevant throughout the event. And you talk about that uh, disaster there on six. He got there with a five iron in hand and just hit this thing and it went nuclear. And it hit the ground real hard and was through the back and in the fence. And then I thought 
Uh, I thought the ruling that was given to him initially was off. He thought it was too, and so he called in for a second opinion. And then he got the unplayable, and the up and down he made was just miraculous. Oh. Um, and then, you know, he, he sort of turns through the, 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 the loop there and picks up a few and then hits a wicked four-iron on the 13th hole of par five from the middle of the fairway, misses the target way right and, and doesn't make the birdie. But he always feel like he was going to be around. And then when he had the three-putt bogey after flagging a five-iron on 16, that's when I was like, all right, this is sort of it. And we walk over to 17, and he hits an average sort of a fairway medal and hits a decent pitch and holds like a seven-footer. And we made that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, now he's just kind of padding the points, if you will. <laughs> and then he hits the poor tee shot down 18, and then that pitch and putty had up the hill. That was just Seve-esque. And he drills the putt and after now follow him to scoring, right? Because now we're preparing for a playoff. And his coach, Josh Gregory, comes to me and he goes, who says my guy can't putt? And he said so with a whole lot of like vigor, right? And I was like, yeah, your boy made putts from all over the joint today. And he goes, yes, he does. And, and so it was the kind of thing where I looked at a guy today and he's always said he's a major championship player. And I could sort of see why. Because when he's good, he's sublime from teeth through green. And when he puts okay, he makes his share. Everyone makes a big deal about the wiggly stroke that he has on the two, three, four footers. But I will say this. Um, the word was, they, they mentioned to me this morning, that in the middle of the round yesterday, when things were going all off kilter and he had missed a whole bunch of short putts in a row, he self-corrected midway through the round. And they were so they, they were so happy about this that he could figure out the problem and not panic that they felt he was going to be in a good space today and say, so move closer to the ball, got his eye line more over the top of it. That straightens out the backstroke because he tends to get away from the thing. Then that stroke travels inwards. Then he has to react and recover. So there's a lot of whole, there's a whole lot of good stuff going on with Will Zalatoris right now. And the entire time, even though it was a little wide and a little errant, he just, you, you feel like he's always going to be around. And I got that sense today um, like I said, I'd sort of given up after the three putt on 16, but just the golf course won out. And then the next shot, next thing, honestly, if you look at it in the playoff, drive a six iron into the middle of 13 green, JT's 80 yards away with a wedge. You think, okay, Zalatoris has got the leg up here, but then golf sort of happens. So um, it, it was a, it was a funny sort of a day. It was typically golf to me. And I think even though he's likely disappointed, Will Zalatoris takes a whole bunch out of this, and he's looking forward to Brookline, I can be certain. Yeah, two two things. So he was ninth in the field in strokes game putting. He putted beautifully all week, at least statistically. Don't necessarily look at the stroke over the short ones, which is what everybody wants to talk about. But he never seems to miss them. Knock on wood for you, Will. I don't want to I don't want to jinx you. Uh the other thing is this okay, two things, two more things, Greg. Uh he didn't lose the playoff. Justin Thomas just beat him in the playoff, which I think is interesting. And this major championship record continues to get better. So let me let me read this to you. He's played the Masters twice, runner-up in a T6. He's played the PGA Championship twice, T8 playoff loss. Uh, U.S. Open twice as a professional, a T6 and a missed cut. And then the Open Championship is that uh, 2021 version where he took that swing out of that heavy stuff, hurt his back and withdrew. Uh, this is a, a basically as pristine as you can get for your first, whatever that is, eight major championships. Yeah, and he does it. Uh, we've talked about it all week. He does it not only in majors, but on difficult golf courses on tour. 
And now he's got now 12 top 10 finishes in individual stroke play events. And now eight of them have happened on top 10 most difficult golf courses on tour. Five of them have now happened in majors. I mean, it's really incredible. His game is built for this kind of competition. But I think ultimately, Will Zalatoris proved a couple things to himself. In Saturday's round, he started losing tee shots way right. He was kind of wiping it. He came out of the gate today, and he hit a couple of beautiful draws off the tee right away. And you felt like on one and two, I mean, it was it was great right away. He's hitting just perfect, the perfectly placed shots uh, early on in that round. Um, lost it a little bit. But I, I think the biggest thing that he proved to himself is, one, I can, I can self-correct to Mark's point. And two, you could say whatever you want about my putting stroke, but when it comes down to it, I can make these putts. And he has a seven, what I think seven feet, 11 inches on 17, and he makes it. He has eight feet for par at 18, and he makes it to get into a playoff. The pressure can't get any higher. It just can't get any higher. And that's the area where you have concern for him. Nobody's expecting him to make that eagle putt or anybody. That's a, you're in, you're in two putt range there. If it goes in, that's great. But when you have those should makes the eight footers, that's where we really worry about Will Zalatoris from there and in. Uh, and and in, under the highest pressure, he stepped up. So if I'm Will Zalatoris, I'm leaving this disappointed as a competitor, but extremely optimistic about where my game is and how my career is progressing so far. Because the future is really bright for this guy, and I, and I think he proved to himself uh, what he can do. Because like you said, Rick. He didn't lose that playoff. JT beat him, um, and and he hit some really good shots, and he really stepped up. Uh, um, and and he made those putts after a terrible three putt at sixteen. That was that was not fun. So you have that terrible moment at sixteen. Everybody thinks you're done, and then you come back on seventeen. You come back on eighteen, and you play a great playoff as well. And it, that's got to prove the world to him to himself. Just one more thing, Rick. Um, I have to give a bit of a nod to Scott Fawcett and the decade system for any golfer who knows what that is. And and Will Zalatoris is essentially Scott Fawcett's poster child for decade, which is essentially a course management um, stratagem. And uh, Scott told me the story of how when Will was a kid, it was a Texas amateur or whatever, and he goes, this boy out hits everyone all the time and never wins. And so I carried for him, and I basically just plotted him around the place, and he won by multiple hands full. Um, and so the one th- the reason why I feel like Will plays so well in these major championships is if you look at him when he hits it, the hitting is freaking impressive. But if you watch his shot selection, he very rarely short sides himself. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a mishit, which everybody does. So he approaches these major championships on these hard golf courses, which he plays well, with a kind of a defensive posture. Now, when he hits it, it's hit aggressively. But the shot making and the decision making is somewhat defensive in selection. So I feel like that also stands him in good stead. And you're hearing a, a guy like a McElroy now going, well, I'm going to change my approach to things and sort of keep myself in the game, almost like JT did the whole time. You're just sort of lurking around the, the edges, the surfaces, and then you strike while the iron is hot. And that it sort of looks like, because I had Zalatoris for now a little while, um, I can see that decade system sort of paying off in how he approaches uh, shots and, and, and where he hits them in relation to the target. 
Yeah, I, I like that. He's a very strategic golfer and and really well thought out when he's on the golf course. Um, Mito Pereira, gentlemen, who was our overnight leader heading into the final round of the PGA Championship, shot a five over 75 to fall uh, to a tie for third one shot out of the playoff, Greg. And the moment, even though he played, you know, was a little bit shaky before this, he stood on 18 T with a one shot lead in the final group, knowing that if he makes par, he wins the PGA championship and he pulls out driver and deposits one in the Creek goes on to make double and misses out on the playoff. He was, um, very open and honest in his in his post round interview, which he didn't even have to do, saying like, "Yeah, you feel a lot of pressure in your body, and sometimes things go wrong." Essentially, um, which I thought was a, a a really nice way for him to look at it in the moment. Yes, um, and and look, he fought really hard today, and he looked he looked like he was going to be tough to beat just because of the lead he was in and and how difficult it was to make birdies out there. It looked like it was his tournament. Um, but you you look at kind of the breakdown statistically, and there's a there is it stands out when you look at what he did for the week and what he did for Sunday. And he he fell in almost every category. I mean, you look at his driving accuracy. He had 11 of 14 fairways or more in the first three rounds, and then eight uh, on on Sunday. Started to lose it a little bit there. He hit 11 or more greens of regulation. In fact, the first two days he hit 14 and 15 greens of regulation. Hit 11 on Saturday. Hit eight on Sunday. Uh, so a, a big, a big contrast there. You look at what he does around the greens, and he's hanging in there pretty well. Um, he was two of three, three of four, and scr- this is scrambling. Four of seven today. Four of ten. So that kind of goes downhill. He is putting very well in rounds two and three. He gains over, um, over three and a half strokes. Well, I guess three point eight and three point four strokes putting narrowly lost in round one and then loses a shot and a half on Sunday. So things tightened up for him. Things got much more difficult for Mito and it pans out in in the statistics. Yet at the same time, I look at the birdie at 13, which was huge. The birdie at 15 was huge. He made a couple of really nice strokes, uh, hold a couple of really nice putts and he, and he still should have won this tournament more so than anybody else. By the time we come down to it on Sunday, Mito Pereira should have won this thing and, and he lost it and he knows it. And it's, it's brutal. Um, and, and if he had a, a bigger name, if he wasn't so young, if this time last year, he wasn't playing on the corn Ferry tour and he's contended in majors, we look at this differently. Fortunately for him, he was playing on the corn Ferry tour last year. And so this looks like a guy on the rise and, uh, and he should be looking at it that way. Cause there aren't a lot of, and he's not officially a rookie, but there aren't a lot of rookies yes, on the PGA Tour. Oh, is he? Did, yeah, he did. it's crazy. I had to look this up. I could not believe it when that came across the broadcast. I had to look oh, it up. I, th- I thought he got enough reps in last year. So he's eligible for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, if you wow. yeah. So they were battling it out for Rookie of the Year. Cam Young and Mito Pereira yeah. today. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, look, you're a rookie on the PGA Tour standing on the 18th tee of the PGA Championship with uh, a lead. Right. There aren't a lot of guys with that experience without that much experience on tour. So, look, this is all in all a a positive week, um, but this is now a a step in the right direction. And the next step is to overcome these nerves on Sunday. 
put yourself in position in a regular PGA tour event on Sunday. Let, let's contend. Let's get a lead on Sunday of a normal PGA tour event and see if you can improve on this. Cause I know he can, his game is, it's, it's incredible. It's cool to get, get a chance to watch him as like, like a fantasy darling to actually get a chance to watch him in the heat of battle for a week was awesome. Yeah. He's our guy week in and week out. It's nice to see him late right. on the Sunday at a major two, two quotes here, Mark. One, I actually have the quote. So the one I was looking for earlier, uh, he said, I guess you have so much pressure in your body that you don't know what you're doing. That's the, that's the quote he gave to Amanda, a writer after the rounds, but he also talked a lot about perspective. And I think this is important because I, I think about this all the time. He said on Monday, all I wanted to do was make the cut. Mm-hmm. And now here on Sunday, I'm one sh- I finished one shot out of a playoff. I finished T3 at the PGA Championship. I would have obviously taken this result if you offered it to me on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And I think that's a really good perspective to have. Well, both of those quotes to me highlight an undercurrent if you will and that undercurrent is these guys are humans just like you and me and everyone listening to this and if you want to know how they feel folks go and try and make a hundred five foot butts in a row and get to 95 and start to feel what you feel like if you know there's something on the line and and nerves are real and and with the nerves you won't necessarily rise to your potential you're going to sort of sink to the level of your preparation and experience and he said as much he goes well next time i'll just prepare better and be ready for it because nerves they don't make you great all it gets is adrenaline surging and adrenaline your, your body can react in one of two ways you either rise to the occasion or you flee from the occasion either way your metabolic processes start working the same and that's where he was saying my body just didn't feel right and i spend time around nick felder who talks about it all of the time he goes man you're coming down the stretch your fingers are numb your mind's running all over the place your heart's racing and and that's why you know i, I think it's rich for us to sit here and go well you know he wasn't as great off the t-strokes gain wise he missed a few putts you know the whole starts looking like the size of a thimble eventually if you miss one or two so there's an element of reality and humanism to this whole thing which is why i love golf and if anything yeah it's gonna sting i'm I'm sure he wished he was in the playoff but when he wakes up tomorrow morning it's still gonna sting some but then the check's gonna hit the account on tuesday and then he's gonna be like i'm all right and then you know then he's made a big jump up the fedex cup points list so now he's sort of settling um all the plans for next year so there's a lot of confidence that will come from this is there any doubt that he will advance from this none whatsoever um but what he will do the next time when he's in here is realize that in a regular pga tour event for argument six the nerves kick in thursday friday afternoon sunday if you're in contention in a major championship, it's they arrive Monday and Tuesday. It gets greater and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you're always on the knife edge. You are always on the knife edge like at Augusta National. There's never a, a shot that you can hit that you're like, oh, I can breathe and I've got this. So it's real. And he experienced it today. And it sucks to, 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 to fall short at the line. But all you got to do, all great champions do, is they get up, they dust themselves off, and then they move along. And there was a great graphic that was shown, I think it might have been by us or maybe Golf Channel afterwards, of champions that have made a big mistake on the final hole in a major championship. And there were names like Sam Snead and Phil Mickelson and just legends of the game. So at the time, Mito must be feeling like absolute crap. But you know what? He's not the first one to make the mistake. And he won't be the last one either. But the champions, they get up and they go after this, you know? 
Oh, and it also it it also stings, right? And it, it, this should sting him. You used that word earlier, and it, uh, like from my perspective, it better sting. If you're going to come back from this, this stings, and it could drive you. It's just how how do you take it? What's your what's your? It's just like the nerves. They can either um, they can make you flee or they can make you rise to the occasion. And if if you take a loss like this and you get down on yourself, it can be very problematic. But if you take it and you you spin it and you use it and you let it fuel you, like so many of the great quarterbacks have, like Aaron Rodgers, right, hanging rejection letters on the mirror. Right? If you remember this in a, in a way like that, it can spur you on to great things. So, again, just like the nerves, this is going to propel him in one way or the other. And um, he definitely has the game to to be a great player out here. He already is. That's what I do. Every time Mark beats me in one and done, I post it on my mirror and then I wake up and I look at it. I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be better. A um, couple of items. He'll, he also earned himself some uh, exemptions with that, that T3. So Mito Pereira will, will be seeing obviously a lot more of him. Mark, did you see or get an opportunity to hear uh, Joaquin Neiman on the mic during the round at all? I did. And it was so great. And when he left the set, we spoke um, during a break and they were like, how good was that? And I was like, I actually said, how humble is Joaquin Neiman? Because he was just sitting there like a fan. And I loved when they cut to him, when Mito made that par putt on nine, where you could see he pumped his fists and he was excited. And, and for me, that is, again, one of those human moments. And I think so great for Mito if he's got friends around him like that, because Joaquin is a competitor. They've grown up competing against each other. But he's there in his corner, and they were there after the round. Even though he won, uh, didn't win, he was, they were going to be there, win or lose. So it's those folks. It's, it's, your, it's your circle, you know, the, 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 the people that are close by that are with you in the success, and they're with you in the failure, and I'm sure they're likely with him tonight. And I, I just I, I thought that was tremendous, and I thought Waco did a wonderful job. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really, really cool. Um, we got a lot more to talk about. We're going to keep rolling on here, gentlemen, because I've got more names. I've got more topics, and we've got to get to our best bets and one and done and all that fun stuff. But we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Rory McIlroy, Greg. Rory, I've heard of him. Rory McIlroy. Let me, this is not a typo. Birdies two, three, four, and five immediately out of the gate on Sunday and starting to give us some flashbacks of what he did at the final round of the Masters. And we're thinking, oh man, you know, basically it was, if he gets to a number that basically Justin Thomas ended up getting to, could he eventually steal this thing? And they're, they're chanting his name. Rory, Rory, Rory. It was like Rocky Balboa out there. Okay. He's four under through five holes. Didn't make another birdie after that. Uh, had plenty of looks. He gave two of them back. He's going to finish eighth. It's going to be a yellow box on his Wikipedia page. I'm not sure Rory McIlroy cares about yellow boxes on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, he cares about the green ones. That's for sure. <laughs> He's got four of them, but it's been a while now. And, um, yeah, it's this was a this was a strange one because the the hot start is phenomenal. I was surprised to see him fall off. At the same time, I didn't really think he had a, a chance. And you look at it now in hindsight, it's like, yeah. I mean, he could have because he got the four he, under Greg. Yeah, and he didn't take yeah. advantage of seventeen. He didn't take advantage of thirteen. It, yeah, you start to do the math, and it obviously coulda, woulda, shoulda. But I mean, he could have won this by three. 
<laughs> right? It, it, when, when you look back now, it, he's got to be kicking himself now. Like, wow, that was going to get four under. Was that close? Right? I, I touched four under. That's insane. But there are a couple of things. I was looking into this. And again, I don't know how to... I don't know how to make a stat out of this for Rory McIlroy, but I've had this sense and I'm not the only one here. It's very common that what Rory does in low pressure rounds is a lot better than what he does in high pressure rounds. And so I was looking back at a few things and he's been inside of, he's been within six shots heading into the final round. And this is after his last major win on, um, on four occasions. Uh, and he's, he's yet to break par. And I know it's major championships. I know it's difficult, but he's over par in three rounds, even par in another. Um, and, and he shot 12, now 13, 12 final rounds in the 60s. And in every single one of them, he was six or more shots back. In the 17 Masters, he was six back. But other every other one beyond that, he was eight or more back, which is, it's like an average of 11.4 back heading into those rounds. So it, it tells me a few things. One, he's, to be captain obvious here, he's capable. We know what he can do. We know he can, he can has the, all the game and then some to win these major championships, but handling the opening round, handling the round afterwards. These are things that are, are challenging for him. Uh, and that's why that's, what's prevented him from winning. That's why the boxes on the wiki page are yellow and not green. Uh, and I, I know that it's hard, but you know, we're talking about trying to get yourself onto the Mount Rushmore of, of, golf and he has the ability to do it it just it's been um you know disappointing but i wonder i do wonder if jt's win is going to inspire rory because they were kind of in a very similar kind of in a similar boat jt would struggle in these big rounds and um and and he didn't perform in majors the way he was capable of i would argue rory's been better in majors even after 2014 uh, not including the four wins. He's played better in them more regularly. Um, but but both JT and Rory have had their major struggles. And maybe this one, watching JT win, looking back and saying what could have been uh, on this Sunday, maybe that spurs him on for a, a win coming up here soon. What do you make of Rory McIlroy, Mark? I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of him. You know what I mean? Obviously, I, Greg's right. I, I capable ceiling stuff is there. It, it sometimes it's Je- you know Doctor Jekyll. Sometimes it's Mister Hyde. What do you make of Roy McElroy? Four rounds of golf is a long time, and four rounds of golf with all the expectations heaped on your shoulders by all and sundry is an even longer time. And then you add to that your own personal expectations, and then that long time gets very very long. And everyone after Thursday was like oh my goodness, this is one-way traffic. Uh, people are sort of got these fainting emojis and stuff going on, on when McIlroy shoots 65 because it was vintage Rory. But major championships and events are essentially won on your bad day and how you get out of your bad day unscathed as far as possible. And that's just where Rory's got to continue to clean up a little bit. And, and I would venture a little bit too that he got a few rough breaks because we had him on our show a bunch and I watched a bunch of golf too and and there were some situations where he'd hit a ball that would get gusted or he'd hit a, you know, um, hit a shot that was sort of quality or good enough, and he'd come off with a bogey or something silly. I would point to the whole disaster kind of happening at par threes um, in round three because he was a part of our show, and I think he played them in like six. He's played them for the week like seven over. 
and on Saturday he made a triple on the one hole, number 11, which it had a front left hole location. I, when I did the golf course since Tuesday, I put a huge red X left of 11 green because there was no chance you're going to get up and down from there. And there were divots everywhere and stuff. It was just a mess. Um, and so I headed left to that target there. And the ball was on the green but rolled off. And he made a triple there and he made a double on the other par three, number six, which was playing so hard. And those two holes, and we're having a different conversation about Rory McIlroy. So, so there's there's that sort of stuff on the go where it's like, all right, it's a 72 hole tour. I know, but for seventy of them, Rory was sensational. Well, not sensational, but he was good enough to win. They've just got to find a way. Maybe it's a little fortunate break, or maybe he backs into a win, or I, I don't know. Because everyone thought, I me included, that it was the start of the events that was, um, you know, the key to success. Well, he started well at Augusta, and he started well this week, and it didn't work out so well. Um, it's just his bad day. And yesterday, Saturday, that is, of the PGA, he made two disastrous errors on par threes. And if there's one thing you cannot do uh, to win a, ma- win a major championship is make big numbers. Bogies are fine. But when you start making doubles and triples and stuff, then you are just spotting the field too much. And even with a player of Rory McIlroy's gifts, you're not going to chase down the rest after making those sorts of numbers. Just four to, rounds, uh, just to add to that, Mark. I'm sorry, Rick. Um, but you're talking about for Rory McIlroy since 2014, he has, you know, how good's your bad day? He has eight rounds of 75 or higher. And there's a bunch yeah, of 74s and 73s, but I know it's majors, but they're just the, the bad rounds too high. Um, and you're not, see, well, you're never, you're never seeing that out of, uh, out of Tiger Woods when he was winning majors. So the, the bad days got to improve. I agree with you, Mark. But, but yes, yes, maybe I'm on Rory Island. Now Carl Jordan Spieth was for the longest time. Um, and, and I've been saying for the last few weeks on this very show that I see Rory's game trending. Um, and I feel like, to your observation, Greg, with those high numbers, those high numbers are a result of some sort of a big number somewhere in there. Like he's you oh, make yeah. two or three or four bogeys, right? And you'll make a few birdies. And so you get out with 73-ish or 72, maybe 74. When we start mixing in big numbers inside there, that's when it gets dangerous. Now, if Rory continues in this vein where he says, well, I'm going to play more defensively. And on a hole like 11 on Saturday, when it's Saturday, the 11th hole, and you still got another how many holes left in the tournament, you don't go firing an eight iron at that hole location. You just don't. Maybe if he continues to look at this and going go, well, maybe I did tweak that eight iron a little bit, but I, then I should be aiming it farther to the right. So if I pull it some, it's still safely on the green and it's not on the slope off the green and I'm writing six on my scorecard as I go to 12. So, so that's where I think if he continues to be a little bit more managerial in his approach and the shot selection, I feel like this big stuff will start to kind of wane some and then he'll be in the mix a whole lot more. Not that he isn't in the mix, you know, but but he'll but, but he'll be in the mix a whole lot more. Cameron Young, that's my vote for rookie of the year, Greg. It's funny we talk about him a lot on the DFS preview, and there's always a comment that's like, "I don't get what you like about Cam Young." And I'm like, "Open your eyeballs. Everything I, everything he does, I love about him." And he continues to find himself on the first page of the leaderboard. He ends up finishing T3. He shot a 71 on Sunday, which bookends his weeks with 71. The two middle rounds were 67s. Greg, he's just he's just so talented. 
I mean, what do you have to do? What what do you what more does he have to do? I, I guess win. Um, but you're looking at a T three this week, T two at the Wells Fargo, T three at the RBC Heritage. This is a this is a rookie, right? I mean, he was playing on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. Uh, he's got a T two at Riviera. He's got he's got a T two at the Sanderson Farms Championship. He's got T. T top five, top three finishes on hard golf courses, on easy golf courses, on desert golf courses, on major championship golf courses. Uh, I mean, this is his second major championship. This is just incredible stuff. He has a really impressive skill set in what he does off the tee, uh, and that creates a a great floor for him. Um, he's a, a wonderful putter, and even though over the last little bit he started to struggle with the putt in. Um, I think his short game's really improved. And it's clear to me that he's worked on it. You're talking about six straight events where he's gained strokes uh, uh, around the green. At least that was coming into the week. But he, he This week, he gained strokes again around the green. So you're talking about seven straight weeks, strokes gained around the green. And I, I talked to him earlier in the year, and he said, yeah, it's the, the biggest weakness for me is my short game. And he said, it'd be hard for me to think of, I haven't come across anybody yet who doesn't have a better short game than me on the PGA Tour. And and now you look at what he's done recently, and it's great. So he's identified a problem, and he's fixed it, seemingly. And now all of a sudden he's reaping benefits. And he was reaping benefits before. But I think that opens up his game to more different styles of golf course, which is why he's just a fantastic player. I completely agree with you. I was a little bit worried Mito was going to steal his Rookie of the Year uh, trophy when he when he you know wins it. I was I was a little bit worried about that. I've been campaigning so hard. Uh, final one here for you, Mark Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, three over 73 for Fitzpatrick, uh, but this will be a T5. That is his best major championship finish of his career. Obviously, many wins on the European Tour. Still looking for that first one on the PGA Tour, but he is, I mean, he's seemingly improved across the board. He's driving it further. He's driving it straighter. He's hes, he's a statistical darling, um, and it's showing in the results, but no trophies to show for it yet. Uh, yeah, I couldn't comment honestly on Matt Fitzpatrick because all I had was a brief conversation with, with him earlier this uh, this week and then just talking with Dottie Pepper after the round a little bit today, talking about how he played. And But but look, he, he's a bit of a bulldog. That's how he plays. He has cleaned up the golf swing some. Uh, I think he strikes the ball a whole lot better. He has picked off, uh, up some gas off the tee, which will help. The guy is just a banshee on the greens. And, and that's going to keep him relevant to me. And uh, when he starts to hit the ball, um, consistently to the caliber of what what he's currently doing, I feel like with his skill around the greens, he's going to be more and more relevant. And there will be courses that he will thrive on. And right now it's appearing, very much like Cam Young too, who I had today, and I've got to tell you, he's got power, he's got precision, he's the entire package. He had, some shot, he had a shot today with through the back of six green when we were having the Will Zalatoris debacle, where I was looking straight at him, and he hit this chip shot from like... 25 feet away, out of the rough, bad lie, up a hill and down a hill to a green rolling away from him. He had the ball well in behind his trail foot, and he sort of stabbed this thing out there, came out one jump, two jumps, spin on the green, and then to the hole, kick in. And I was like, well, hello, this guy's legit. Um, 
so Matt Fitzpatrick's the same sort of thing. And he plays hard golf course as well. And so he's, he's a stayer of that. There's no doubt because mentally you can't measure that stuff, but he's pretty stout between the ears too. And he's got almost a little bit of that Napoleon sort of syndrome where he's like, all right, I'm David, you Goliath and I'm going to take you down. You know, Will Zalatoris, you might out hit me, but I'm going to find a way. And, and, and you see that sort of tendency with him. And I feel like he'll just continue to build on that. Yeah, find a way he does. Well, it's a major championship. It's a Sunday recap. You knew we weren't going to do the whole thing without Kyle Porter. KP, I think we've got him. There he is. Backwards hat. He's in the media center. He's been just wheeling and dealing all day long. Kyle, good to have you, bud. It's, it's good to be here. I am I am uh I'm 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 just locked into this JT story. I might write 10,000 words tonight on Justin Thomas coming back to win the PGA. He he had a he had a 0.4% chance to win the P, to win the PGA championship with not, with eight holes left. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and then he almost won in regulation, Kyle. The shot he hit on 17 in the playoff. <laughs> it was so good. It was it was it was unbelievable. It was so weird to get the tournament was not very good for three and three quarters days. I mean, it, it was just, it was, it was fine. If Mito Pereira wins, it's, it's fine. It's, it's a, it's a major championship, but then it was almost like a switch flipped uh, for the last hour. And it was like an, it was an instant classic. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And for JT to come from seven back was uh it was pretty cool. It was a it was a pretty cool moment. Every single one of my group chats was blowing up, and it was mostly just like, "Oh my god, wait, what? Did you see that? Did that just happen? This is crazy." I've never. It was just it was that kind of stuff for the last hour. But KP, you've been you've been on the grounds there. JT did his uh, did his post round presser. I didn't get a chance to to see or read anything. What what what's come out of it? Yeah. Let me pull something up here. You know, I, I, the thing that I'm writing about, and I think the thing that he talked about the most was just how it, these majors are so precious. There's so few of them, right? And 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 I think that that kind of hit him on Sunday. And I, I asked him, I was like, "Why'd you get so emotional? Like you're not." He doesn't normally react like that after wins, even in the players last year, 2017, he wins at Quail Hollow. And I'll, I'll read you the quote because I thought it was um, I thought it was good. Uh, he said, uh, "It's hard to win. I think it's harder now to win than when I first came out on tour. Um, I think it's easy to start letting some doubt creep in and just kind of like, all right, when's it going to happen? Uh, sorry, I lost it." He said, uh, all right, what's going to happen? When is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? I was walking up 18 in the playoff, and I knew it wasn't over, but I looked up, and I wanted to take it in because you don't know when and if it's going to happen again. And it's such an unbelievable, cool feeling that you want to enjoy it. And I thought that was cool because it is – I mean, these things are so – we talk about this all the time, but there's there's so few of them, and they're so precious. And he – one of those guys between him and Rory, they needed to take advantage of a leaderboard that didn't have any didn't have any major champions on it. Had a bunch of inexperienced guys on it, and Rory was un- unable to do it. I talked to him a little bit afterwards, and 
I just asked him to sum up his feelings and he was like, I'm dejected. Like dejection is what I'm feeling. And JT on the other hand was able to do it. Um, it, by shooting what he probably I, I think he didn't think that was going to be a good enough number to do it but it turned out that that inexperience at the top uh is, is kind of what uh what got him into the playoff where he beat i mean he didn't miss a shot in the playoff it was astounding to watch and just the i mean just the most fun i've had at a major in a long time mm. since april <laughs> since since april <laughs> until Brook, until brookline next in a few weeks time I mean, I'm walking up 18, and I, I, I was with some people from CBS and some other friends, and I was like, this is, this is the best. I can't believe this is a job. I can't believe we get to do this. It was awesome. Uh, Mark, are you getting worried that Justin Thomas is one win closer to the, I don't even know what it was, 25 in a decade that Kyle promised us? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no. You should be. Well, well, yeah, well, I mean, Kyle, Kyle well, you heard the- it's getting harder to win, right? I mean, yeah, that's I mean, got to go to- good for you, Mark. Thank you, Greg. I was about to say that. I mean, the fact that JT has said that winning is difficult, let alone winning in these big events is difficult because that's all he plays. It's not like he's going to show up in the Sanderson Farms Championship with love. So he's playing against the best of the best all the time. So, no, I think I'm still good. All right. That's that's what I'll do. If I'll, when I'm golf czar, I'll 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 add like a hundred million dollar bonus if you win twenty five times, and all these guys will show up at Sanderson Farms and John Deere and all these. Other I love places. that. That's a great call. How about that? That'll that'll raise some yes, yeah. uh, the fields. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> that's real. Yeah, that's really good. Um, well, Kyle, you're here just at the right time because we can kind of uh, spin this ahead a little bit because I believe we're 23, 24 days out from Brookline, which is absolutely bonkers. And as if, uh, as if Greg, the top of the board wasn't already stacked, right? What did we say before this major championship? All of our best guys are playing their best. Oh, yeah, Justin Thomas just won the PGA Championship. Um, he's going to be, by the time we get to Brookline, probably one of the favorites or co-favorites. I mean, we're just absolutely stacked heading into the U.S. Open. Yeah, and it it, um, it seems to happen every year. And the cool thing, it, it happens every year because they, they can kind of filter out. And we have so much depth in the game that when somebody loses it a little bit and they're not playing well, well like it doesn't matter that Brooks Kepka has been injured. We, we have so much talent to back him up. Um, Dustin Johnson, not in great form. We have so much talent to back him up. So it always looks like the best players are playing their best because when they're playing their best, that's what makes them their best players. So we have uh, countless storylines heading in and whether it's Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas or Colin Morikawa or Victor Hovland, or, I mean, the name goes on and on. You'll forget some Rory McIlroy. These guys are all going to be there and they're, and, and there's going to be a healthy bit of them that are, ready to perform in contention. You'll get some surprises. Um, and I, I can't wait to start learning about that golf course a little bit because it's got some great history, obviously. Yeah, when you are just called the country club, Mark, that's <laughs> that's pretty good. When you're just the one because you were built in like, uh, I don't know, 1802 or whatever it was. Before Moby Dick was a minnow. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> look, there's been great events there. And if you look at folks who played well, they've had a Ryder Cup there and uh, the, the guys who excelled were, uh, at that stage, Justin Leonard and Jose Mariola Tharbal and Payne Stewart played beautifully that week. And, of course, the U.S. Opens there, you had a playoff between Curtis Strange and Nick Faldo. 
who are just tacticians and they're accurate ball strikers and they sort of do everything well. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the U.S. Open. I hope the USGA, because a lot of the U.S. Opens were kind of concerned with how the USGA set these places up. But I hope they just let Brookline be Brookline and they have some punitive rough and they, they put out some good hole locations and let these guys go at it because it, it's going to be a fun time of it. I, I'm looking very forward to it. 1882, Kyle. That's the year it was founded. You want me, you want me, I'll give you. I'll give you the narrative uh, for U.S. Open week right now. You ready, KP? Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick coming off his best major championship finish ever, who won the U.S. Amateur in 2013 at Brookline. He's the guy. You, you heard it here first. Everybody's going to be saying. Yeah. That's a good one. I, Mark, were you there for the ribbon cutting in 1882 when they opened it? <laughs> <laughs> You're too funny there, kiddo. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of – I mean <laughs> – I, I, I will admit I had, I had pants on that were slightly tighter than cars at the bottom this week. So uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to recapture my youth. I, uh, Rick did not see that coming, which I love. I did uh, not. That's good. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of like really good headlines or storylines going into the U.S. Open. I mean, I I think that I tweeted this out earlier, but the run of major champions that we've gotten has been unbelievable. I mean, you go back to the last, I would say, kind of average one would be Jimmy Walker, and since then it's just been lights out. You could argue that. Maybe like a Shane Lowry or a Gary Woodland or a Patrick Reed wasn't great, but I think those guys are – I mean, if those are your bad major winners, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, I think Rory's obviously going to be a storyline. Tiger will obviously be a storyline. Uh, is is Rom going to show up at the majors this year? Obviously, as the defending champion of the U.S. Open. There's just – there's so much going on. And uh, I think one of the fun things about golf right now is just how, and and, and this this tournament was a little bit of a microcosm of uh, of this is how quickly things can change, right? Because on Sunday at three p.m., you think, oh, well, we're getting a Mito Pereira win. That'll be cool. We'll talk about it. He almost won the bronze medal last year, and then boom, JT's got his second major, and he now we're talking about him like like we talk about Rory, right? How Rory's got four and twenty wins or whatever. So this stuff just it just happens so fast, and uh, it's it's pretty astonishing. And I'm I'm excited to, to see what comes out of the U.S. Open this year. I love it. Well, uh, KP, we are catching some static from you here, and we know you're you're working hard. So we can uh, we can let you get back to work, and we can say goodbye, and we can catch up with you next week. Yeah, I gotta go finish. Thanks for having me, guys. I will talk to you uh, next Thanks, week. KP. Okay. Yeah, talk to you later. Get him out of here. Okay, best bets, best bets here, gentlemen. Let's recap these uh, real quick. I lost with Colin Morikawa inside the top 20. Unbelievable. Uh, Coach Victorious, Max Homa over Louis Eustazen. Kyle Correct, Roy McIlroy, top 10 in a major championship, gets the job done. Mark, this is, the, this is one of the dirtier ones we've seen. <laughs> no. You had Terrell Hatton to finish as top Englishman at four and a half to one. He finished T13. That that could have been pretty good. If I told you that before the week, I think you would have been pretty happy with that. He lost yeah. to Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Fitzpatrick, Rory McIlroy, and he tied Justin Rose. That's pretty dirty. Okay, well, really, Rory's not an Englishman. He's an Irishman. So, so I'm just going to go Rose and Fleetwood 
and Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it was nuts because, you know, at the beginning of the week, I was saying I would take anywhere between four and eight and, and the par as a winning score. And then after um, Saturday, uh, Friday, when the wind, uh, when sort of laid down Friday afternoon, I'm like, dang, I better revisit this stuff. But then switch to the north wind and then you get six being a relative, uh, uh, legitimate score and so 469s was going to be good i didn't think even par was going to be 13th and beaten by three other english guys no so uh, i feel a little remiss at that one to be honest uh and yeah you're right i got duped into the northern ireland flag looking so similar to the english flag as i was running down the leaderboard there greg it got me yeah yeah that'll sneak up on you you got to be careful of that one (laughs) i've always Uh, found that to be bizarre but but here nor there I guess you, it's their flag. Are you are you big into uh vexology? There are so many strange and similar similar I think it's called vex vexology. Is that what it's called? Uh, I it's no, I'm not uh, I haven't gotten into those wormholes yet. Vex Vexilol Vexilology? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. It's a it's a good rabbit hole if you're ever looking for uh looking for something to do. <sighs> I think it's that time. I, I think uh, you've been stalling. You've been I've been putting it off long enough. Uh, the one and done update. Oh. Sia Najad and the fans oh. went with Jordan Spieth, 61,607. Sia goes to 2.5 million. The fans go to 4.9. Kyle Porter does not have to face the music with Dustin Johnson missing the cut. Greg, unfortunately for you, you do. Scotty Scheffler, number one player in the world. Misses the cut. This to me, there were some of a, a few surprises this week. This was the big one. Yeah. Um, look, I I wish that I I wasn't going to pick JT in the one and done this week. That obviously was the pick. We'll let Mark talk about that. Um, but the, <laughs> the again, like the the thing that always kills me is who was I between in my myself when I'm you know looking in the mirror, and I'm I'm loving Will Zalatoris. And I wasn't going to play Spieth. Um, and and I thought Scheffler, I, I just fell into the trap. I mean, how how can you end up with getting zero points for Scotty Scheffler in a year where he wins a Masters and has four wins on the PGA Tour? Um, and, you know, now the second most top tens of anybody. And I missed the, I missed the cut with him. I'm bitter about this one. It stings. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, think it's, I think it's over for me. It, it might be over for all it's of us. Over, Greg. <laughs> Just, Justin Thomas apparently had a 0.4% chance of winning with seven holes to play. Come on. I, 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 I don't think my odds are even that high right now. <laughs> we, will be, we will be petitioning Jacob on uh, multipliers for prize purses later in the year. We will. You, uh, you know he's going to do it. He's going to come up with some wacky playoff rule like he has in the past. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah it's coming. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, coach and I both went with John Rahm. Wasted that 32,146. Producer Jacob, low key great week because he got a quarter of a million. Jacob, come here, please. Quarter of a million from Cam Smith. I know you wanted more, but you are now in sole possession of second place. It's extremely tough. Because if you told me before the week that Cameron Smith would lead the field in strokes gain approach and strokes gain T to green, I would have been like, Oh, this is great. Let me get you guys my Venmo because there's no way there's there's no way that I'm not winning the week if that's the case. Uh, but my man who's typically not an awful putter just 
couldn't seem to find anything this week with the flat stick. So I, it's the best putter I, on tour. I hate it. It's terrible. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I've made a great pick, but it just didn't pay out, which happens sometimes. I'm going to pat myself on the back. It was, a, I mean, it was a solid play. I played him in a little daily fantasy action along with Fitzpatrick, along with Cameron young, just didn't work out. And that's how it he works. Did, sometimes he did not have it after he smacked Aaron wise in the head. That was the he still made par. He still made par, and so did so did Aaron Wise too. They both made I know. par. Isn't that crazy? The, first of all, that that place was a, uh, a mark. Pack your hard hat for next year, or well, if you ever go back to Southern Hills. I tell you what, it, there were hot spots all over the place because a number of fairways were left and right, and one of the great elements to the redesign was Gil Hans taking out trees because I spoke with players who had played here in 07. My brother specifically, who had a top ten. Um, in that, in that PGA Championship, and he was like, it's tree-lined everywhere, so you couldn't see other fairways. But now with those trees removed, guys were blasting the thing all over Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you had to be you had to have eyes on stalks just to not get hit. Oh, that's my biggest fear. I do not want to get hit. Um, you, uh, all right, Mark. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I was just going to say real quick, you talk about like looking ahead to the – to maybe making up some wonky rules. I am looking at who I have left. I've got I've got Xander Shoffley left, and I am thinking about just making the tour championship pay out the full purse, but going off the shadow leaderboard. <laughs> the the, the, like the $18 million. <laughs> yeah, so you don't have to actually win it. You can just win the shadow leaderboard, and you'd still get the full $18 million. The full, how about this, Greg? I'll put you on the spot. Where did Where did Xander Shoffley finish this week? Oh, even I know he was even par. I don't know exactly what um, that finished. What was yes. it like? Tied 18th? T13. 13. That was the most Xander Shoffley finish. At, he, he, he never once contended. I don't think I saw no. a single shot that he hit. He no, finished 13th. <laughs> maybe on Thursday or Friday, I saw a shot of his, uh, but not on the weekend. T13. He, just, he was just always like there six shots back the entire yeah. event from start to finish <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's not 18 million but you might be able to get you know close to 3 million with him at the u.s open because uh, he could be a really good play there always is <sighs> mark immelman already yeah. at the top of the standings you sat here on tuesday and you told us you were going with justin thomas and that 0.4% chance of winning comes through. I give you a golf clap and give you the full $2.7 million, extending your total to $9.4 million, which is $3.6 million clear of producer Jacob. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, Jacob, I need you please <laughs> – I need you, please, to tell me how much I've earned here in this new year. Because for the longest time, all of you guys and you people in the chat over here were like, Mark's only made a million five in the new year, blah, 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 blah. How much have I made in the new year now, please? Uh, I, I, need well, I think that'd be like, what, 4.3? I, I, I have it. It's It's 4.7. Okay, has anyone made any more than that? I doubt it now. Not with the 2.7 you just added. I, I would doubt that. Okay. Right. Well, well, that's the first thing. Um, 
No, the truth, the truth is I just got very lucky yeah, because coming into the week, and I said so on the show on Tuesday, I had Zalatoris planned. I, I was looking at this thing for months out. And then I bailed and I uh, watched him last week and it didn't look very good. And I was like, oh, goodness, I'm pivoting. And, it, and I was sort of panic picking. And then, of course, I was lucky enough to call JT in the final round there at the Byron Nelson. And he just looked really stout. And so I, I got Jacob's text and he goes, I need your one and done pick. And I'm like, oh, sh- oh goodness, I'm going to send Thomas. And I remember ruining the decision. But then uh, it's turned out pretty good. Thank you very much. I think we, every I time just, I panic pick, it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> I just got to say, what I think I just heard there was you were you were using inside information. So I think we might have to send this. Out. Uh, <laughs> we're getting the investigation. Investigation. Yeah. investigation. We're opening inside up an investigation. Inside information. No, no, no. Hold on a second. You strokes gay and junkies. You guys have got all the inside information because you got all this data that's going to help you make your decisions and the like. I was just watching a guy hit like 30 or five or six shots for, you know, that's all I did. And I made a call of that. Mark, it's, it's hard to navigate through a data lake. I mean, you can get lost in there pretty quick. That's right. <laughs> um, we, we had a Twitter space on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. I don't know. No, it had to be like Friday. And we knew you were between two golfers, Mark, but we could not remember who the other guy was. And I was mm-hmm. hoping it was okay. like, I, I don't know if it's gonna be like Scotty Scheffler and someone you were gonna get zero, like zero dollars from, but it appears that with Will Zaltors or Justin Thomas, you would have made out fine either way. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm glad it was JT. There's a pretty big difference between first and second. Uh, I think you know, as I look back on it here, because I, when it came to our uh, best bets and stuff like that, I sort of panicked with those things too, and I got swept up in the whole Jordan Spieth emotion after the Byron Nelson last week. But but there's certain things you kind of just got to go with your gut on stuff. And and I remember tweeting. Um, I sent out my – there's my picks. And oh, I, I tweeted, I'm like, this is my top 10 and those are my winners. But I feel like I, I, I can't avert my eyes from Rory and JT. And turns out they were both inside the top 10 and one of them won. Davis Riley, incidentally, played very well this week too. So, so, so I've got to uh, – for the rest of the season, just trust what, what my gut tells me. And I won't listen to your smart folks with all your data and stuff. Ooh, Zal Torres for me, top 10. That would have, that worked out there. Plus three thirty. Nice. Uh, yes. Very, very good week, Mark. And we will uh, be plotting and scheming against you the rest of the way to see if we can make this interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you Jacob, please call up coach, get him on for just two minutes. Just let, let's get coach for just two minutes. Can we do this? Yeah, that's that's uh, that that battle will be brewing. Um, all right, gents, before wait, wait, we get out of here, one more thing. One more thing. Let me take another victory lap. Please. Uh, uh, this is too early because we're only mid-season now. You guys have my Venmo details that I know. I'm not going to be on the show on Tuesday because I'm going to be on the beach. But I'm going to be listening to you fools. And I can only imagine some of the crap you're going to have to say about me behind my back. But I will be listening. Trust me, I will be listening. Coach did say he would quit the one and done if Justin Thomas. <laughs> Do we have, we'll have to find that clip. I'm like positive he said that. Um, we'll have to find that clip and and, and remind oh, you of that. Uh, all right, gents, Greg. Anything else before we get out of here? We'll be back. The at commissioner, it. the commissioner quitting. I'm good. I'm I'm ready. That was great fun, boys. I think coach coach legit might just like quit CBS. <laughs> Coach is now unemployed. Coach might, yeah, I don't know what coach might do. He might quit CBS. So if you don't see him ever again on this show, don't be surprised. A real wild card at this point. 
<laughs> yeah, we haven't heard from him since uh, the tournament ended, so we can't be sure. Okay, gents. Uh, PGA Championship in the books. Charles Schwab challenge going back to Colonial. The longest running non-major course and tournament combination. Like 75 years in a row. Something outrageous. The only one longer, Augusta National, the Masters. So there you go. A little fun fact awesome. for you to start, start your week. We'll have a DFS preview on Monday. Mega preview pod Tuesday. Round by round recaps. But for now... Big thanks to producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.